Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Union Bank Global Linker, a free digital platform that empowers Filipino MSMEs to digitize their business and go global. Sign up now at unionbank.globallinker.com slash hustleshare to get a free ebook on surviving COVID-19 for your business. Also by Tagcash. Spend, play, earn, and build a mobile wallet super app for your startup. Go now to hustleshare.com slash tagcash to apply and get your startup's mobile wallet. And Chatbot PH. Save time and effort for your business. Automate how your team does customer service, marketing, and key redundant processes. All by using a chatbot. Invest in your own chatbot now and use AI to run your business. Go to www.chatbot.ph. Technically, I'm the CEO of, of True Digital Philippines, but I don't see myself as the CEO here. I see myself as still someone learning a lot of things from my counterparts and um, stakeholders in HQ, and at the same time with my people, with my employees here. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Bate Young. Welcome to episode 83 of the Hustle Share Podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by Union Bank Global Linker, 
a free digital platform that empowers Filipino MSMEs to digitize their business. We are a proud affiliate of the Podcast Network Asia, but before we begin, we'd like to remind you that this podcast contains not safe for work language, so make sure there are no kids when you're listening to this. Because today we're going to be featuring an amazing hustler who's had a spectacular career in digital and technology. And his name is Dindo Marzan, the country head of True Digital Philippines. And get ready to be blown away because Dindo probably has the most decorated hustle we've ever had here in the show. And he's going to share with us how he started out having that fascination towards tech and how he broke stereotypes while also teaching and excelling in English as his first job. And then he'll also share what it was like working with the father of Philippine internet when he worked in Moscow. And then his career kept getting better because he'll also share what it was like working with Globe when he became the digital marketing head for business while he was there. And not just that, he will also share his next gig, which led him to ABS-CBN, where he played an active part towards their digitization. And most importantly, he will share his longest tenure when he was still in Voyager Innovations and led the team to scale it to where it is now. And of course, he will share what led him to jump over and start from zero to one to lead True Digital here in the Philippines. And just like always, there will be a lot of great tips at the end of this episode where he will share what it takes to become a great country manager and his advice for startups for their user acquisition. So if you're ready to learn the hustle behind True Digital Philippines, let's begin this episode. Right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We are with someone I've met in the past. I haven't seen you in a while, and then, but again, mad props. I met this guy when I was just starting out. I remember. I was pitching guestlist.ph to Voyager a few years back. Uh, uh, sharp memory. Right, right. In the Anson's building. Um, right. Right. And that's basically how it is. And again, I've been a big fan ever since of what it is. So again, welcome to the show, Mr. Dindo Marzan of True Digital. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Dindo, it's been a while, bro. So it's, 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 it's always been nice to, to have. OGs like you in the industry is who actually knows what uh, startup grind is really like because you've, I've seen your work in in Voyager. I didn't know and uh, you your previous hustles prior to that, but now that I'm looking at your LinkedIn, holy shit, that you've been around <laughs> and uh, these are legit stuff that you did. So since uh, you're new to the show and I kind of give you a brief header on what we do. Dindo, what's your hustle? Um, currently, my hustle is actually finding ways to help the Filipinos improve their lives. Mm-hmm. Anything that would make things easier on a daily basis to become part of their daily life or daily grind would be mm-hmm. something that I will be very excited to hustle with. There you go. And again, you've been on the digital kind of game for a long time now, right? And and you don't look old. I look older than you and you're fucking... It's Am I older than you? Am yeah, I older than I'm you? I'm 31. What the fuck? <laughs> I thought we're... Because, you See, know, I, I thought we're like co-contemporaries or something. I I, we started I'm, on the same time. My, my, my face is the biggest lie of all time. 
So people- <laughs> no problem. No problem. I feel older than my fucking age too, so it's all good. Okay, so Dindo, um, I need you to buckle up because we're gonna go all the way back to how you search. We're talking about age now. Let's go all the way back in the time machine with our hustle share time machine. Okay, now we're back all the way back. So Dindo, growing up, did you have any fascination with digital and what, or any inkling towards uh, startups and whatnot? Did you do any type of hustle growing up that that you remember? Uh, that 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 kind of influence you to where you are now. I, I guess we, with that question, what I would would always remember, and this is a funny story. My mom, either my mom or my dad, would always, you know, scold me because okay. I always um, destroy my toys. Well, from their perspective, I, okay. I rack it up or destroy it. <laughs> but the thing is, I actually just unscrew everything and see what what's inside, like uh, what's the motherboard, how it works, how everything. I've always been curious. That was as early as about six or seven. So when you actually go to my room, all okay. of my toys are like crushed or, or, <laughs> or opened up or nothing is functioning because I just opened them. Obviously, I cannot get them to work again, right? After. Right, right. Well, but at least you fast know forward now. When I, mm-hmm. Where I got that curiosity, right? Yeah. I just, I'm just fascinated how... To know how things work, why why the wheel is turning that way, how come this is moving, etc. So fast forward in high school, um, I actually took like because when when we were in high school in Marist, uh, Marist. Oh, Marist, you're in Marist. Uh, when, oh, when wow. Marist. So when you reach third year and fourth year high school, you have to choose whether your elective would be electronics or computer. Most were expecting that I'm gonna get or or, or choose computer, but the thing is, I said. I do that on a daily basis. I have a computer at home, so I don't know. I don't need to study that anymore. So I chose electronics. So working okay. on printed circuit boards, soldering, what? making a power supply, wow. uh, a water water alarm. So that's actually when I said, "Ah, huh, I like this stuff. I like this shit. I like okay. I like knowing how to make things work." And that's where right. where my fascination of building products started i believe that if, if, if i'm gonna recall it so mm-hmm. more than that um i've always wanted to create new things so if i can mm-hmm. invent i mean i'm a frustrated scientist i think what? i like to invent many things and mm-hmm. with with what happened to my career i uh-huh. realized i've been creating either products services right. or even businesses yeah so i guess that's the connection to startup that's how Correct. you start things right you start something address a pain point look at uh-huh. the business need or customer need and yeah you, you start from scratch absolutely and again it's just a different iteration of what it is but the same methodology is just manifested through and the, the same also the same desire for curiosity and then knowing how shit works uh, is really manifested regardless of where you put it now i'm curious once you got to college uh did you double down on that curiosity what did you do and did you uh have some career, I mean, uh, a path where t- towards business and whatnot, because you took up speech communication, minor in statistics, computed. So this is a communication and statistics. I've never heard one in such, such as that in, in just one sentence. How did that work out for you? Well, actually, thank you for, I, I always want to see that kind of reaction whenever someone asks about my course, because that, <laughs> that's what I've always wanted. I want to break stereotypes Ever since people say 
someone who's good in English would probably fail in math, or someone who's good in math right <laughs> would suck in English. I mean, th- but th- those are stereotypes. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't know. Maybe you're actually good in both. The fact no. that you're a founder of a company, English, you should no be math. good in both. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what I wanted to do was that, okay, I'm fond of math, but I think I need to brush up on English. I need wow. to get my diction right. Right. Stop code switching because because you're good in speaking English. I mean, your accent man is really good. Like you're you're really cut out for it in terms of um, communication. Dude, so I, I, I need to brush up on that. I got this in the call center. Uh, that's well, what, that's good training, man. Yeah, um, that was my first job. I was in second year, in between first year and second year college. I didn't sound like this before, but since I mastered, it's like, oh, okay, this is my only time. This is my only ace to get to where I want as an entrepreneur. Because if I talk the way I normally talk, nobody's gonna believe shit. I look like this. I look like a fucking thug, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. Nobody's gonna take me seriously. So that was my ace, and I suck at math. All right, I'm gonna double down. But for you, you broke the stereotype and you excelled in both. In a way, like I, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with the curriculum of UP, but I finished the math series. So actually, wow. when you talk to UP students, when, they, when somebody says you finished math series, that's like uh, a four-course four, four program, four program uh, that usually people would take it twice or three times because they always fail. That's notorious. From Math 17 to Math 55, I finished that because I took up minor in statistics. And in huh? statistics, I actually learned how to program Visual Basic, oh. um, using some statistical tools. Mm-hmm. So that was a very good combination. Now, you'll be surprised. My first job, I was actually an ESL instructor, English as a second language instructor. Right, I right. taught Koreans. But I'm sure if you took that job, you'll be like my boss there. No, 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 dude, Uh I tried. I tried. So after the call center thing, I thought I was uh, good enough to speak English, right? And I I didn't want to do graveyard anymore. I was still studying. So they said, oh, hey, Mm. why don't you try teaching some Korean? So I applied. Nobody got me for some reason. Seriously? Yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever. So I just remember uh, in my, that that first company that I, I, I worked for, as long as you have an American accent, no more tests. Just like, okay, start teaching these, uh, wow. these Korean students. <laughs> it was so I, easy. And I was like, my English was like neutral accent, sometimes right, even right. Filipino accent. So I, I, that yeah. was hard for me. So that was my first job. Mm-hmm. And after, what did you learn there? The, just teaching and doing are totally different things, right? You know, of, of course. Uh, and one thing that I really... Uh, admire with people that have a teaching background is it really tests your patience because mm-hmm. you know teaching mm-hmm. is not like oh fuck if it was me i'll just fucking get it done here you're trying to pass on knowledge to someone mm-hmm. and for them to be good at it what was the mm-hmm. biggest thing you learned there so i i think i i learned three things there number one is that um students have different pacing yes. or pace mm-hmm. um because I had like, for example, in one day or in, in my, my job there, I had like 10 students. But those 10 students had different levels of English proficiency. Right. Um, the, the, level would be a, the levels would be A to E. Okay. So if you're E, the way you teach that E level would be just free talk, just like how we talk. Gotcha. So they would be practiced more on how to speak English. But the A, that was, that's like Basic. zero English. So you would, wow. you would need to have some Korean... Korean terms like that means repeat after me. 
so oh, that they will wow. be practicing how to so you would be speaking in korean like um yabuseo you say hello can you send me that you know I, my mom's been that, watching okay. too many digital <laughs> fucking netflix <laughs> shit i've been watching too it's a one class holy fucking shit that was good right so that's the thing so there are different pace in terms of learning and i think now i've applied that in terms of coaching or mentoring my employees or my staff mm-hmm. right so that's the first one the second one would be you always need to plan so even though i had like because every, every student would have 10 minutes class and let's say there would, there would be 10 students i'm only actually working in terms of conducting class would be that would only be just 100 minutes the rest of the eight hour work shift i actually do my lesson plan i prepare wow. for those classes wow and then the third one it's actually, since that was my first job, I realized the current job, uh, the, the basic job won't always be enough for me. I always want more. That's why actually, even though I, am, I was teaching Koreans then, I was actually their network administrator for oh. <laughs> So I've set up their computers. I created right. a system for teachers to do their lesson plan. And actually, that's the time why, where I was exposed to e-learning and digital. Mm. And that, that became my route. Like, I'm the digital guy. I'm your, right. your e-learning guy. Gotcha. And then you will notice now everything will be connected. Like, I, I work for an e-learning platform in Moscow. And then right. the combined internet solutions. And then right. Voyager. So that was the start of me getting exposed to online platforms. Absolutely. And, and what do you do next gig here after ES, the ESL uh, gig was Moscom as product manager. Again, mad props to that because there's not too many product managers in the country. It's so hard because most of the time they're project managers. Product managers exactly. are technically uh, a, a level up of project management because you now take care of a product. Talk to us about what you did in Moscom and you, you, you stayed there for a while. Yeah, about, about more than three years, I believe. Yeah. Um, you actually nailed it. Project management is a very good baseline for you to become a product manager. You right. always need to have that baseline or discipline of project management. That discipline of doing some work breakdown schedule, breaking down the tasks, doing the Gantt chart, finding a good timeline where to deliver such feature or or... or or functionalities, scrum. that's actually a baseline of getting... So, I said Scrum. Sorry about that. I, <laughs> I didn't say damn. Sorry, sir. Okay, I said Scrum. <laughs> oh, yeah, Scrum, Scrum. Yeah. Or, well, yeah, yeah. when you do the Scrum sessions, you're right, you're right. So, when I was with Moscom, that was actually the time that um, Moscom was being disrupted by the telcos, like Globe oh. and PLDT. As you know, Moscom is the first internet service provider in the Philippines right so they actually introduced internet in in the country mm-hmm. so what happened then was they were looking for solutions that would that would actually help them generate more revenues and the president then was dr. William Torres the, the father of internet in the Philippines or Philippine right. internet wow he was actually working on e-learning he called it learning resources network or LRN mm-hmm. so I create I created a learning platform for schools. Um, it was also the platform used by Ateneo that time. Wow. Um, I also worked on webcasting solutions. Imagine we've been webcasting that time. That's like 2006. Four. Yeah, 2006. I, I was the one who helped. Yeah, 
I was the one who helped Ateneo webcast their first ever graduation ceremony online. No way. So, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty disruptive. Mm-hmm. That was that actually started my interest in business development and at the same time creating new products that would um that would actually start a new interest or need for a particular solution. So in this case, it's webcasting, video uh-huh. conferencing, and e-learning. So that was my Moscom state. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting, especially if you're working for a, a very good, uh, someone who's really good in internet or in computer yeah. science, which is uh, Dr. William Torres or Doc T. We call them Doc T. He's very wow. famous in the industry. Absolutely. And dude, if he's a father of the internet, you should fucking thank him, <laughs> right? Without asshole, how are we going to use, how are we going to TikTok right now? You, you, <laughs> you need to thank the guy. Man, yeah. right. Sometimes I still can't believe it that I, I actually worked for that guy. I mean, that yeah. was a, that I'm very blessed to have him as my first boss and expose him in the digital world. What what was he like? Because again, what, one of our first few bosses were always leaving an indelible mark to our careers, right? And if you work for the father of internet in the Philippines, <laughs> what are those things that you carry till now that you learned from him? You know what? This is a very interesting question. I think you're the first one who asked me about this. But, I mean, I, it's, it's, imagine how old was I then? I was so young. And then 20s, this 20s. guy would be giving me instruction. 20s, early 20s. Yep. It was, it feels like every day I'm, I'm, Solving a puzzle, honestly. Mm. Like, what was his instruction? And then I would figure out, what do I need? He doesn't spoon feed me, you know? Got it. I would have to do my homework. I would have to do some research. That's why, that's why that time Google was my best friend. Mm. And um, every time I go to him, it was like always a thesis defense. So nice. with, with him, I learned that I, can, I, cannot, be, I cannot be half-baked. It should always be my, my best. I should always um, back up everything that I've said or I've presented mm-hmm. with a fact, with a research. He right. always asked me, what, what's the source? That, I think this is my favorite thing that I learned from him. If you're putting it in the slide, put it where you got it. Because he's an academe. Mm-hmm. So he's very much famous in, 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 the, in schools. He's, right. a, he's a professor in Mapua. Mm-hmm. So he would always say, what was your source? If you're not putting a source there, would I say that was according to Mr. Dindo Marzan? He would always say that. Like, <laughs> oh, no, no, boss. Get... Of course, that, that wasn't according to me. So who right. said it? So, so that became my discipline. So every slide, I would put, indicate source or quotable quotes, who said it, who's mm-hmm. the person. And it would always be a discussion. Actually, it's not that... It's, he might kill me for saying this, but right. it's not a discussion. It's a debate. It's Absolutely. always a debate with him. It also and creates I discipline think, for you, I assume, because if you still have that now, again, that's the indelible mark that you'll carry I around. Think so. Yeah. It, it, it has always been a mental exercise with, with, mm-hmm. with that boss of mine. Absolutely. I, 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 he was my idol. He's even my, my godfather my we, in, in wedding. Wow. I got him as my godfather in wedding. That is so, amazing. <laughs> That's how I, I idolized him. That was his impact. In my so life. technically, so, you're the godson of Philippine internet. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing because they've given me several names when I was reporting to him in that company. They called, wow. they called me like the golden boy nice. or the godfather of internet's prodigy or something. I mean, it, it was flattering. But at the same mm. time, I know all eyes were on me. The pressure mm. was on. So 
they would all say, what is this guy up to again? What webcasting? You can't just launch a webcasting platform. But guess what? I did. So That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> all right. Let, let's now take our first break. And when we come back, let's talk more about your hustle and how you jump to another big telco. But let's talk about that more after the break. And we're back from the break. We're still with Dindo Marzan. Oh, again, the wonder boy of Mozcom working for the <laughs> the the God, I mean the the father of Philippine internet. Okay, so um Dindo, uh after this you work for another telco, which is Globe Telecom. And you had multiple titles here as well. How was Globe like during those times and what are the things you did there? So when when Globe got me, um, they actually, uh, my, my, my first role there was product marketing manager. Um, even that role was like something new for me because okay. when I was with Moscom, I was the product manager. But since Moscom is like a smaller company, yeah. it's like doing everything. When you're a product manager, you do the marketing, you do the business, yep. everything. But in Globe Telecom, it was more specific, mm-hmm. down to that specific product marketing. It's like right. you already have a product and your role is actually to market it. Got it. However, since you're the one who's going to market it, you actually give inputs to the product development team, which would be the more hardcore and technical um, people working on the product. So as product marketing manager, my, my job then was to handle broadband solutions. So when we say broadband solutions, those are services or platforms or solutions that will be bundled with the DSL product. So some examples would be, um, it's called WebEye. WebEye is a, um, a CCTV camera. So for example, you, you got a 1 Mbps broadband by just paying 200 pesos a month in addition to your monthly service fee, yep. you actually get the, the camera for free for your business or for your, for your company. Because uh, I was under the small and medium enterprise uh, segment or business unit of Globe Business, the, the, the B2B unit of um, or group of Globe Telecom that time. So that's an example of a, a business solution or a broadband solution bundled to the DSL product. Others would be website builder or um, things like um, inventory ordering system. So it depends on what type of, of industry that you're actually selling the broadband because that makes it more attractive and more valuable to the small and medium enterprise instead of just getting a broadband solution or a broadband connection, right? So it's, it's interesting when you market it that way because suddenly the, the DSL becomes the secondary product and the hero product is actually the solution because it's, it's addressing a business need or a pain point of, a, of an entrepreneur or an owner of a business. Right. Now, after uh, product marketing, because again, you, you, these, these are all uh, ahead of its curve. It, it's now, it makes more sense now because people are familiarized with this, right? But how is it uh, evangelizing these products before? Because this is, when I, I can already say, people talk, if you talk about it now, only us in the startup ecosystem would get it. And people would say, oh, no split, no split on that. What is that? Right? <laughs> um, back then, 2007 to 2009, that's virtually, you know, this is uh, sci-fi shit, right? <laughs> they don't I know. know, I know. This, 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 how, how did you make people understand on what you were trying to build? Actually, you're right. You're right. I almost forgot that at that time, 
um, that was a challenge as well, especially if you're talking to an SME, a small and medium enterprise. Yeah. Like someone with who's just running a pizza pizza kiosk, how would right. they say? Oh, do I really need a webcam for 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 <laughs> for my store? So yep. it all boils down to um, selling the need or making them understand that they actually need it. So case studies were very important. At the same time, simplifying it and removing that technical jargon. So, for example, um, the the video, the the web camera. We were just saying, hey, um, actually, you're gonna have like, you don't need a security guard anymore. Your security guard is actually this camera. So right. if you're like going to the toilet or something by looking at your phone while you're at the toilet, you would see that if someone will come over in your store and then right. immediately you can go to the to the reception area or something mm-hmm. so it's actually on a very use case basis down to the use case you need to explain to them um, i almost forgot uh, part of me being a product marketing manager was also developing that ecosystem of smes yeah. wherein globe telecom became like a, a, a free consultant for, mm-hmm. for 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 tech solutions or for 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 business solutions. That's why I, I created, it's funny, we call it SOP, right. but it's actually SME online portal, mm-hmm. not, not something yeah, censored. Yeah. So, I understand um, what that means. Because <laughs> <laughs> so people don't the SME do that online now. The kids, the kids don't know, know what SOP means. <laughs> right, yeah. but I think adults will be listening to this podcast so once they hear SOP, they know it. It's like, mm, I remember second. that. What is this SOP? I, I think I've used that SOP. SOP. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I had oh, to introduce man. that ecosystem. I told the SMEs, um, you would have, you can ask us anything. You just go to SME, uh, let's say globe.sme.com.ph or right. something, and then ask anywhere there. Someone will answer your questions and will help you in anything. So that's like a pro bono nice. digital consultation. So mm-hmm. that actually helped me also sell these services. So. It has to be very suave and hard sell. Like right. while you're discussing and then once the opportunity comes in, oh, by the way, I think you need, and in two minutes, you'll have a website. In fact, I can show it to you. So then you, you're going to demonstrate it um, online or something or send a screenshot or step by step. So you laymanize the technical jargons or the, the things that, that are hard to, to understand. And right. yeah, it would be easier to, to sell it or to, to offer it, even though it's something new. Like no, if if if, so, if someone needs to Google something, just to be able to buy your product and understand what the fuck you're saying, you're gonna lose them right away. And you need mm-hmm. to remove that jargon to, for them to understand. Oh, okay, so this does this, boom. Actually, so it, it depends on how you really communicate it. So that's what selling. It's actually just explaining and describing, and the sell would actually event eventually happen in a natural way. That's the best way to do it instead of you intimidating uh, what, what you're actually saying or what you're explaining. Um, it's a, actu- applicable also in startups, right? When you do an elevator pitch, if you cannot yeah. explain what you're selling in one or two minutes or one or two lines, then you're Fine. screwed, right? That, that means right. it's very complicated. So, Dindo, after you, you've done the product marketing thing in, in, in Globe, um, did you go high up the ranks and how did your roles change over time? So as I as I shared earlier, the my first role in Globe Telecom was product marketing. But remember, I I I I created also that SME online portal. That was actually um, one of the main reasons why they 
promoted me to become the digital marketing head mm-hmm. for Globe Business. Uh, at that time, I think there were so few people who had that kind of role, which is digital marketing. Right, right. So, and how was digital um, marketing where, like back then? Especially the, where you know d- the, the foundation wasn't even ready. Social media wasn't even what it was right back then. <laughs> so I now, know, right? right? So back then, social media was just like, um, an extra channel that you can use very very much like um, an optional thing it mm-hmm. that back then it was all about microsites if they could actually create a microsite for every product the, my marketing friends would be asking a microsite for every product that they would launch wow. so there there was no portal strategy in place um, mm-hmm. email marketing was very much in demand then mainly because mm-hmm. this is glo- this was Low business, so you were talking to entrepreneurs. So an email, um, email communication or 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 promotion would would work better because it's a uh, very personal. Um, there was email marketing, search marketing, mm-hmm. but mostly website building. So that that was like the 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 reason why I they they hired me or they mm-hmm. they promoted me rather to become the digital marketing head. But not only for SME segment, but also for enterprise. Wow. So. In a way, even though my citizenship that time was under the SME unit, mm-hmm. uh, I was also, in a way, servicing the enterprise group, which handles like the top 1,000 corporations uh, in the country. Definitely. And then I, 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 I wanted to be exposed more on consumer. So I also mm-hmm. transferred to the consumer group of Globe Telecom, where I actually handled um, Globe Super Only. That, oh, wow. Back then, that was very innovative as well, the unlimited right, right. voice. Given that Sun Cellular was disrupting the two telco play in the market, mm-hmm. so Globe Telecom had to come up with its own unlimited voice product. So I handled that product as well in the consumer business. Mm-hmm. So that was my last role in Globe Telecom until um, ABS-CBN um, asked me to join their their company as their again first first digital strategy head. And that was amazing because again, uh, if this was around 2010 2011. This was also the heyday of uh, ABS-CBN's, uh, you know, uh, traditional business. I mean, that, that the, the shows there were monumental back then, you know, uh, in, in terms exactly. of ad revenue, of popularity, uh, because social media was still there. It was just up and coming, but not unlike what it is now. And with, with uh, ABS-CBN investing into their future, with again, now... Uh, so good thing they invested. If 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 they didn't do that, uh, they're gonna be totally screwed with what happened with the shutdown, right? And fact, yes, you, yes, exactly. How did you lay that that foundation with with being digital in ABS-CBN ten years ago? That that was a very exciting, interesting, and challenging moment of my career when I was with ABS-CBN because you know. Um, let's face it, it's obviously a traditional media company, right? Mm-hmm. With with TV, uh, print, and radio. Digital was kind of new to them. So the fact that they created a, a new group, back then they called it Digital Brand Management, and um, they hired me as their digital strategy head, which is a bit, it could be a bit controversial because why would there be a person who's in charge of the entire digital strategy of the entire conglomerate, right? So. Yeah. And then I was young, so it, it, it was kind of challenging because, you know, the matriarchs, the, the powerful people were there. Some, I was even starstruck meeting them when I was there. But 
surprisingly, they were very open because I think it, it came down from the CEO himself, EL3, um, Gabby Lopez, that, yeah. hey, we need to transform. It's about time that we, we, we pivot a bit and look at other revenue streams and start looking at digital. So they invested in hiring people and building this kind of team, which is um, anchored on digital or focused on digital. Right. And it was an evangelization. All the LOBs or line, lines of business, uh-huh. um, they nominated like a new media head or digital head oh, for wow. business unit who worked closely with our group. So in that case, everyone actually had to have like a 101, digital 101 session. Uh-huh. I remember I even conducted that training with, with my team, with my group, uh-huh. telling them about what is a website, a portal, what is social media, what are the different channels. Oh God, wow. They had to go through that and I'm sure it was quite humbling. Uh-huh. But the fact that they can do that, that's the reason why they, they were able to stand the test of time. Like right. when, when everything shifted to digital, they were ready. They, they're, they're already doing it. So and that was a good move for them for digital transformation at that time. Absolutely. And uh, you, you did the buy-in thing again as if you're talk, teaching Korean students the, the, the 101. <laughs> so now it, it does really come in that the early hustles are still very useful down the road because now, you're, though you're not teaching English per se, but you're now teaching evangelizing tech. And I, I'm pretty sure a lot of what you did early on in your, your, your career still manifested through that, that role. You're right. You're right. Because you're right. If I'm going to connect it with my previous jobs, if, if, if in, in that ESL stint, I was mm-hmm. looking at the different levels of their knowledge in English, yeah. when I was with Globe Telecom and Moscom, I was introducing a new product and letting them know or simplifying the, the technicalities or the tech jargons. Here, same thing. Some are, were good in digital. Some had zero knowledge. I really had to do a road show. Like go yeah. to every office or business unit, gather their top management team because there are different like entities under ABS-CBN, right? Like ABS-CBN Publishing, mm-hmm. Star Creative, Star Magic. Mm-hmm. There would always be like 10 to 20 people and I'll wow. be just discussing about digital. It was quite exciting, but obviously yeah. one, there would be doubters. There would be those who would challenge me, but mm-hmm. it's part of it, what makes the work more exciting. So... When you turn them around and convince them that, oh, yeah, so maybe I should go digital. Mm-hmm. I should revisit my content workflow, my content windowing, my digital, um, digital editing. Because it was a different approach. Before, they were so used to, let's say, producing a content, then you just mm-hmm. send it to the, for publishing, for programming. Now, there's like a new channel. And I wanted to tell them, this is not like an interim. It's not a fad. It would be one of the new channels that you would maintain and sustain mm-hmm. moving forward. So that was a bit tough, but look uh-huh. where, they, where they are now, right? They, they have I want, they have all the digital platforms that they can maximize. Mm. I'm actually curious about, because again, people th- throw so much shit at ABS-CBN and I'm kind of fucking pissed that they do that, right? Um, <laughs> What is it like working there? Because again, they always say that people break, they broke the law and whatnot. That's solely bullshit, right? But you coming from and leading that head, and what's that experience like? And who did you work with closely uh, to get that? And from a, a first point, first person's point of view, to paint us that picture that yes, they are a conglomerate, yes, they are traditional, but 
man, they also saw the future. And they do yeah, invest yeah. heavily on their people, I assume. Exactly, exactly. Uh, honestly, as, as, as cheesy as it may sound, but they really, they really do that thing when they say, in the service of the Filipinos, you will really feel it when you're there. And I mean, personally, I mean, I reported directly to Carlo Katibak, there's the CEO. Oh my God, wow. Which was very, I was very privileged to to have that experience, right? I mean, I've always been lucky to have these mentors and these leaders um, where I could learn a lot in terms of how to shape um, my knowledge, my personality, or everything that I I could actually use in the future when I get to have my own team. But knowing Carlo, I mean, he's very diligent. I mean... Those things that are being thrown to ABS-CBN, like um, they they did not follow the rules, or they, yeah. of course not. I mean, we, you were you're running a business. I mean, that's pretty simple and practical. Of course, you're gonna follow the law. Mm-hmm. There, there has been. I mean, I don't want to get political about it, but yeah. just from my personal experience, I mean, you can throw anything to ABS-CBN. I mean, they're not perfect. They. they Right. Of course, like there would any be like too, though. just any business. There would be politics. Right. There, there could right. be that star quality, or mm-hmm. or some would be would feel that they are very famous or something. I mean, yeah. it's showbiz. At the end of the day, showbiz is showbiz, right? right. So th- there would be quirks um, uh, about that particular type of business. But one thing is for sure, though, they they have integrity. I mean, mm-hmm. they're honest with what they do. They Absolutely. they don't play it dirty. I mean, I could say that. Personally, because I've seen them how they've operated those businesses. I was with them when they were building the digital terrestrial television. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was tough to get approval, but they really waited for the government. Um, if I could quote someone, um, I think it's I forgot his name, but I, I saw his post earlier and uh-huh. he was saying, um, it's like having a driver's license. You apply it's not like the driver's license expired. And ABS-CBN continued driving. It's more of, I apply for a driver's license and then they did not give me the license until it expired. Yeah. You got me? So th- that's different. Those two are different, right? So it's uh-huh. more of the latter. They've been applying for like several years already. It just, right. it, just it seems like that expiration date was really set up so that ABS-CBN won't have that license by the time that it needs to expire. Yeah. And so, it's sad. It's sad. Um, because, um, again, in, in a perfect democracy, there needs to be equal sides. And it's and what people usually uh, forget, to is that you can have... There's a, there, You can always be at the middle. You don't have to be polarized all the time. That it's not mm-hmm. yellow, it's red and whatnot. But you can yeah. take different sides on different things. And what what's being done with, with the company at the moment is totally uh, a disservice, not just to, to their employees, but to the whole country. Because they're an avenue, they've been a pillar of, of, of you know, call it bias, call it whatever, but they deliver news. They're not, it, it's part of source. our life. I mean, exactly. it's pop culture. It's part of our life. It's an institution. Mm-hmm. If people would, would always say that, oh yeah, ABS-CBN did re- didn't really take take care of their employees or blame ABS-CBN, not, not the government or NTC. But how come all these employees are very much loyal to ABS-CBN? That's not brainwashing. They have their own respective minds to, to stand by or stand with ABS-CBN because they've been treated right. It's not true that they don't care about their people or their employees. I was an employee. I mean, I had issues before, but I could always say that 
I've been taken care of just right. Absolutely. Okay, now let's take our last break and then we come back. Let's talk about your next voyage in Voyager and how you <laughs> eventually became the head of True ID and True Digital. But let's talk about that more after the break. And we're back from the break. We're still with Dindo Marzan, who again shared his heart out, and I totally agree with him on uh, understand. Again, we're not being DDS, we're not being Delawan. Okay, <laughs> so just being fucking rational Sorry, here. Yeah, it's no politics right. here. Yeah, yeah, come on now. All right, just because we take a stand on something doesn't mean we're one of y'all, right? We can be. Yep. yep. It's uh, and again, uh, I'll quote this quote before we proceed. Only the Sith believe in extremes. Okay, in Star Wars, there you don't have to be extreme. That is, if you're blue or red or whatnot, you can have a middle ground. Have a stand on each specific line item and point, and take a stand there. But you have yep. to have a solid argument based on logic and not just purely driven by emotion and mob mentality to to totally uh, have a unique stand on one thing and. And based on what we see, using pure logic, I have nothing with ABS. I've never worked with them and whatnot, but this is wrong. Okay? So, all right. Let's move on. Enough with the emotions. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, the most prominent role that I really found you on was Voyager. And again, you are so lucky, bro. You work with the father of the internet. You work with GLK. And now you work with Doi Beya. Oh my fucking god! Of all the bosses, people will kill to be under those guys in just one. You got three. How did you get to Voyager? It's very interesting. Um, here's the thing. So from ABS-CBN, I migrated to Australia. So oh, I, I, okay. I, as just like any any Filipino, you would have this overseas dream, right? Like to be an expat or something. So I had that, an opportunity to study there at RMIT University in Melbourne and then um, actually build my own startup. It's so interesting that my first startup was supposed to be in Melbourne, uh, mainly because of connections as well because um, about five five um, households, mm-hmm. I, um, relatives, um, households of my relatives are there. So it's like, it's I'm at, so at home in Melbourne and um, I... It's so easy to connect uh, to certain um, startup founders or, or um, investors. Mm-hmm. So I was able to touch base with um, a Filipino Australian who's who's trying to build a, a digital agency, a boutique one, mm-hmm. like a digital ad agency. Mm-hmm. And he knows that um, my background is quite good in terms of digital. So uh, he wanted to be. Uh, he was looking for a partner and I was referred and then things, um, the discussions were okay. However, towards the end, we did not agree on, on equity and shares. So, you know, you know this stuff. I mean, you're a startup yeah. founder as well. So, one of the so, biggest ones yeah, so, why startups fail because they founders fight. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then what he wanted to do is to pay cut me. Like, uh-huh. instead of me getting this monthly salary, um, I gave, give it to the company. But the thing is, of course, I came from the Philippines. I had yeah. like my bills to pay, my loans. Right. I mean, I, can af- I cannot afford a, a, a pay cut. Plus, I also studied. I started studying. So I didn't have like enough. What I only had was the money, the seed money that I could share to him as like oh. the, the, the first, um, first, uh, first, um, first thing that we could spend uh, when, when we started. So, it didn't work out pretty well. I mean, 
at least there's a downturn in in my career, right? I mean, I needed that. Um, so that was very that was like the lowest point. Um, I had no choice but to actually return to the Philippines. I said I attended um, a conference and I I got to learn about Mr. Doivea, and um, I found out that he was the founder of Smart Communications and he was um, building this Voyager. Luckily, I mean, I just actually tried to check the website and inquired. I actually got a call back. Wow. And then there was a, an interview. And then eventually, we, did it off, he, we hit it off right away because he was saying, because he, he also studied in UP, he was saying, what are you doing in Australia? You're helping startups there or SMEs? Hey, you're needed now here in the Philippines. You pick up a number. That was like his line. So, so I was like... Um, I cannot, I cannot debate with that statement, right? So he was like, you know, this is the best, best time to go back to the Philippines. All the expats are have been returning in the Philippines right. because we're about to go the go through this digital boom. I'm sure uh-huh. that time we were starting, right? Mm-hmm. So, lo and behold, it was very exciting. I also met my another mentor, um, Benji, the late Benji Fernandez. Yeah, I reported to him. He was the COO of. Voyager and a very very good friend, close to like being my second dad. Um, he said, "You like product development? This would be your big playground. You can invent whatever you want here. We have, right. we we have a lot. Magsasawa ka. That's what he said exactly. And okay. true enough, exactly. I, I went to a lot of countries. Went to Barcelona, to to Spain, to US, etc. I mean, nobody knows this, but." And I don't want to claim this, but I yeah. do know, at the very least, we were part of it, part of that initiative to influence these digital brands to come here in the did. Philippines. Absolutely. I, I spoke. I spoke to Netflix. I told them instead of you going straight to Japan, so they were supposed to launch Netflix in Australia. The next one uh-huh. would be Japan. I told them, why don't you have like um, uh, a side trip in the Philippines? You know what? Uh-huh. We're an English-speaking country. Check it out. You might want to launch here in the Philippines. Uh-huh. Um, I brought Skyscanner in the Philippines. Wow. Waze was also part of the plan. Airbnb. I spoke to the founders of these small brands that time. Uh-huh. And then my, my, my invitation to them is partner with Voyager Innovations. Uh-huh. We can actually zero rate your app. When we say zero rate, that means people would be able to access your app without paying for mobile data charges. So we wow. can sponsor the, the data. For you guys, and you will get your users. So who won't who won't say yes to that? So absolutely test it out in the market. That was the time when Facebook was given for free as well. There was this right. free internet. That was that time. So it was pretty exciting, like inviting these digital brands to check out Philippines. So right. it's more of a nationalistic thing for me. Correct. So, and you guys built some really amazing products. Let's just talk. Let's call it out. Fucking PayMy is made by Voyager, right? Uh, yes, yes, exactly. And yeah, again, yeah. shout out to Paymaya for sponsoring the whole the other podcasts within the network. And again, that just shows how how forward thinking they are. That you know they, they believe that okay, podcasting is going to future of audio entertainment it's on demand. And you know, since uh, we hit it off, and you you mentioned also, it, uh, I think a lot of expats. Uh, I've had uh, you probably know him, uh, Raymond Villanueva of uh, uh, Voyager, and yep, yep, he, he yep, had the same. Course. Uh, thing he was in he was in the Bay Area and he wanted to come back US. because he wanted to convince, mm-hmm. con, uh, contribute to the Philippines right even if it meant a pay cut from what yes. he was making before and that's the that's a 
that's the the draw of Voyager. And again, just amazing products. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm curious. You work for the inter- the the father of internet, Mr. T. You also work with uh, CLK. What was it like working under Doibe? How was he as a boss? And how? What are the things you work with uh, with him and then also the late Benji? What, what's very interesting because Paymaya is the now the very the most famous and main product of of Voyager Innovations. Um, I've always been the guy who would work on the non-fintech things of Voyager. Oh, okay. So, so if it's non-fintech, non-paymaya, it goes to Dean the shop. That that has always been like the design before. So that, that's why when when I was the managing director of Voyager Innovations Inc. Um, the marketing technologies, the advertising platforms, uh-huh. even communications, chatbot. I remember even chatbot I was working on, business solutions as well. Yeah. Anything that won't be about fintech, um, I was able to, 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 to handle it uh, and, and play around it. Uh-huh. Uh, however, obviously, we, we needed to prioritize and we were able to um, get foreign investors. I'm sure you know that, right? Yeah. Tencent, KKR. Uh, that's quite a lot, about more than $200 million for sure, yep. right? Uh, in terms of investment. There's another round recently that they just got too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they're pretty much on the right track. But of course, once you get those investors, you needed to focus. And the focus was PayMaya, which is like the biggest bet. And it's doing well right now. Yeah. And what, what what brings me to the point of working with Benji and, and um, Doi or OBV is I've also always been with them as well, going around the globe to get all these innovations and technologies uh, for the Philippines. Mm-hmm. They're very much excited. It's like they never got old. Mm-hmm. They're always excited and interested with new technologies, new solutions. I- imagine like you... So that's, that's where the point where I said, being digital is not about the age. It's not about being Gen Z or millennial. Right. Um, the next gen is actually Gen C or connected, a connected generation regardless of age. And that's actually OBV. He knows the internet. He is connected. He is always on. He knows how to use the chat apps and all. And it doesn't matter even though he's, what, about 40 or 40 years older than me. Uh-huh. But we have a common ground once it's about innovation or technology and solving a pain point or addressing mm-hmm. a, a customer pain point that's our common ground we'll agree that okay let's do that mm-hmm. let's create the solution for that create the product for that show me the business case mm-hmm. and if if it makes sense then let's do it if it not if it's not if it doesn't rather go to the drawing board i mean there was a very open communication obv was very diplomatic i mean uh-huh. i never experienced getting a harsh comment from him and like nice. i mean some bosses would have like tough love right like right. i mean I, I could say it docty knows it docty right. is tough love right, right. That, when i said like i'm still i'm i feel like i'm presenting a thesis defense yeah. uh, to him it's yeah. different from obv you feel so comfortable uh-huh. and the way he manages you is that he wants the idea or the, the solution to come from you but what he actually did was facilitate the discussion Mm-hmm. and guide you towards the problem-solving process. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how I, I remember him in terms of coaching me and mentoring me to have this, this more analytical and more critical mindset. Mm-hmm. So 
it, it's very very liberating i learned a lot from him now in terms of maturing also just this is your longest stint and you were pretty yeah. much almost <laughs> at the top of the totem pole already you're right up there <laughs> and you had you had to take care of people and you know manage mm-hmm. them how did you develop your management style and the and at least the tools you you used to make sure that such a big company with hundreds of employees will push, push, push forward at a pace that is startup-like? So, so the, the, the largest team, at the peak of my um, career there in Voyager, I handled more than 100 people. I, I think 130 wow. plus. That's, wow. And then you, if, whenever I recall it, I could still not imagine how, how I was able to pull that off. But I, I think there were three things that I considered. One is to really maintain the culture. So before I, I got to 100 plus, I started with about five or six, right? Mm-hmm. So that maintaining the culture requires you to a lot, some time to train people uh, like your, your one downs as we speak. So right. the, the, my first rule then was, so the, the first is culture. So in relation to culture, it's actually mentoring and doing some succession planning. So mm-hmm. I made sure that I, I handle only what the, in terms of direct reports. I only handle at most seven people reporting to me. Seven is quite a lot already, but ideally five, because my one downs. I really want them to be like very close to me or like my friends. Like I can drink, drink yeah. with them or or party with them because business would always be personal. And if you're not comfortable with each other, you can't tell them everything. I mean. You have to be comfortable when I say, hey, you suck with what you did earlier. The presentation was like crammed. What, what's that all about? You should be able to say that as it is without screening or sugarcoating it. So right. that has been my culture, open communication. And those five people really worked out to become better people and better leaders. And the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the formula yeah. there is they actually pass it on to their team. Got it. And okay. and do that same exercise with their one downs, and it passed. It, it's it, it's passed on, and then the culture stru- would Got would it. would actually be um, applied towards the the staff to mm-hmm. down to the to the most junior person in the organization. That so that's about the culture, okay. that openness, that that candid way, or or that candor. Um, the second one um, would be keeping them updated. So it's more on the update. So I always make sure that there's a town hall, a meeting, regular meetings, weekly meetings, depending on the group. Mm-hmm. So so they know that what they're doing is part of this bigger thing. Right. That's my job. I mean, my, my one downs or managers can do that for me, but obviously their focus would be on their department, right? Right. So the overall would always be me. So that's the second one. So the town hall, the communication is key. The third one would be actually doing some skip levels when I say skip levels, I actually talk to the people of my one downs. And I've always told them, you cannot stop me from, from going through your team and checking them every once in a while because that's my way of checking if you're also doing a good job or if you're passing it on. So that also opens up the communication. We're in staff down to the lowest ranking file, uh, ranking person in, in, in the organization could actually talk to me and tell me, well, Mr. or Miss." X whatever. and Y mm-hmm. or whatever. Sometimes it's like this. And then I won't quote them on that. I mean, I'll just take note of that mm-hmm. and provide that feedback to my leaders in a general and anonymous way right. of doing it. 
and makes them better leaders. So those three things, I always make sure I, I maintain them. And so far, my leaders, they're now like the, the top executives in, in Voyager. Nice. And yeah, so it, it's really flattering and it makes me proud that they're doing a good job handling their respective teams now there. Now, here's, here's my biggest question that I wanted to ask. If you s- build such a great company and, you know, there's a lot of emotional, psychological, mental investment. Um, what was it like when you decided that you wanted to leave? Because that's hard. This is that's your baby too, you know. Much of what uh, much of what Voyager is now it was built on the foundation that a lot of uh, and you contributed a lot on. What triggered you to really said, "All right, this is," and you spent the longest time there among all of your stints. Yeah, five years. Um, believe me, it's super hard. However, I mean. I, I, I always, my way of leadership is kind of, I mean, I don't, I, modesty aside, it's kind of selfless. Like, uh-huh. I, I'm actually servicing them rather than them servicing me. That has always been my style as a leader. Servant um, leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's the right word. Servant leadership. Um, I, I don't even know how what it is called. I just know I, I serve, service them or, or something. Yeah. Um, uh, it was very hard to leave Voyager then, but at one point I also realized I have to actually think about myself for once. Like, okay. my here's the thing: personally, I actually get bored mm-hmm. when it becomes routinary and operational. Once everything has been set already, I, I'm a I'm a starter. I always want starting from scratch. Zero I to one want guy. to build things. Yeah, exactly. Because once you get to that. Okay, operational, we do this, yeah. one, two, three, four, five, whatever. It becomes monotonous and boring to me, and I would f- need to find that drive and fire. So, the thrill. That's why, when, yeah, yeah. So, that's why when I had that opportunity, I actually never thought that I'm going to have a new opportunity or a new challenge. Because, just like you said, that Voyager post or role it was quite comfortable already, which yeah. actually scared me a bit because once you, I've always said, hey, don't reach to the point that you have your comfort zone or, right, right. or you're too safe already because otherwise you stop learning, you stop growing. Correct. So, well, I guess God was kind, was kind to me. I didn't know there was a next level. I didn't know that I'll be considered to become the country head of True Digital Philippines. So, mm. obviously, that's, a, that's like, Voy- as I described it, that's like Voyager in steroids. So you're doing Voyager stuff, but this time for the Southeast Asia, not just for Philippines. So how did you make that decision? And what was it like when you now decided, all right, uh, let's take on the biggest, the, the next level, right? Let's level up. And uh, what was that transition like for you? So, so, so I wasn't actively looking for a job. So mm-hmm. someone just contacted me, a headhunter. Right. And then um, she told me that, we, this company wanted to be present in the Philippines and and it was a con call and it's what's pretty two-way. It's a two-way discussion. He, she gave me like, oh, check this website, truedigital.com. And then, of course, I've been reached because I really don't know anything about it except that I know True Corporation. True is uh, the telco in, in Thailand. Yep. So I know it's quite famous because of my experience in Globe Telecom and Voyager being a subsidiary of Smart Communication. So I was aware of True Corporation, but 
I didn't even know that it's part of CP Group, which is like the biggest conglomerate there that almost owns everything in Thailand, has 300,000 wow. employees. Um, the first first company who had like a trade, uh, uh, an entity in China, their corporate number there in China, by the way, is 001. They were the first one allowed wow. to operate there as a foreign entity. So anyway, I, I, I did my research even after that interview, but her challenge was that, hey, um, you're going to build an OTT platform. And then I said, what? We have Netflix, iFlix, and who there? That's already like a crowded thing to do. So I was, I did, I said everything. It, it's almost like saying, count me out, I'm not interested. But what's surprising is that because of those feedback, I was the one considered because I was the most realistic person to tell them what should be done or what should not be done. Okay, so Dindo, when, when you, they said that, you know, uh, this is a crowded thing to do in PH, what did you mean uh, and what, how did they react that, all right, this, you wanted to compete with Netflix and, and whatnot or do you do co- content aggregation and whatnot? Um, what was the next step for you prior to joining True ID? Well, aside from the fact that I really thought that it's, it's quite a crowded space already in terms of um, industry because there are a lot of uh, players in the country. Um, I, 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 was, I was challenged in such a way that how do I make sure that um, Filipinos would, would notice or would, would take time to actually test this OTT platform? I, I, di- I had to work on a strategy that is mm-hmm. game-changing, something that would be very innovative for not only for True ID, but for Filipinos, the, 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 the customer need and the solution that, that the True Digital Group has should actually meet. Mm-hmm. I was actually sent to Thailand for two weeks. That was my orientation. My first day was in Thailand and I had to learn all the businesses that True Digital Group has so that I could determine, aside from True ID, which other solutions or businesses uh, should go with it. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's an ecosystem. It cannot be just one solution as a standalone thing. Correct. And that's basically what got me excited and tried to think of other things to help the Filipinos um, change their lives or improve their lives here. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious about how you built the team, right? Um, how did you build the team from zero to one? And again, you mentioned earlier that you know, you've always been uh, able to join a growing startup, but it's, this is the first time you're coming in from zero to one. How did you build this up? And uh, what were the early challenges you also had to go through that uh, you didn't experience before? You know, that, that's very interesting because when I compared my, my, uh, my first day or, or when I started in Voyager Innovations, I, my, I had two people under me right away. Mm. And although having two people coming from uh, my previous job wherein I had about 20 Wow. I said, uh, I was reduced to having just two people. This must be really the startup um, experience. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, in true digital group, <laughs> I was employee number one. I actually thought that it's going to be a bit similar because having yeah. two people and then have no people at all. But oh my, it's so different with just me being alone. So right. I immediately asked myself, what is the most important um talent that I, I should get or what uh, employee. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking I should hire as my employee number to a product manager for, mm-hmm. so that at least I have someone to have 
I have someone to bounce off my ideas with. I, there can, I cannot be the one only thinking about solutions yeah. or innovations, right? So mm-hmm. I got my product manager. And then my second, um, my third employee mm-hmm. was an HR person ah. so that someone <laughs> would help me. <laughs> exactly. So th- very critical, those first ah. two employees. The first two employees that I would hire. And then from then, um, someone was already helping me scale up. I would just go to the HR manager and tell him, mm-hmm. uh, I need a marketing manager. Oh, I need a finance controller or something. But the very crucial uh, second and third employees uh, was were very important in my startup experience in True Digital Group. Got it. Now, I'm curious, of course, because um, in a startup too, and again, from zero to one, you don't expect that there's going to be a ton of resources Right. And just like any startup, I mean, Voyager, whatever, right? There's still finite resources, unlike in a really big, big, big group. And it's coming from a zero to one point of view. How did you make sure that whatever resources was allocated for you um, was, was very productive? And how, how, what, what was the output that you were able to create with it? Well, here's the thing when I joined, they already told me that there was already an earmarked budget. However, having an earmarked budget doesn't necessarily mean that you can just spend the budget. You would have to justify it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also applicable in other corporations. So I had to build a business case. Mm -hmm. I built a business case, did a forecast, and made sure that the headquarters is aware of what I wanted to do. So obviously, most of the budget were spent on the, the initial employees that I hired, and then some some expenditures were allocated in terms of um, building the company, such as uh, the incorporation, uh, finding an office, of course, right? Finding an (laughs) office. And that's where I actually saw you when I went to WeWork. I was just like shopping, quote-unquote shopping for a place where I could hold my office. I saw you (laughs) at WeWork. We were shooting an episode. I was wearing fucking pink. (laughs) Oh, yes. Why are you wearing pink? (laughs) Um, yeah, 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 I was I was pretending to be a food panda delivery guy because we were <laughs> delivering some uh, uh, Baskin Robbins to some people, and we were <laughs> fucking embarrassing. But hey, we everything will every, uh, everything will do to support the startup ecosystem, right? <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Um, okay, so now you have this team. What were you able to do? Because again, we were almost over one year now, or almost turning one year, right? Um, what was how did you now grow this and? Uh, what does True ID have in store for us? Because this is content and it's going to grow for sure. And again, there's no better time to actually produce content than now when people are literally glued, glued to the internet. Exactly. In fact, we, we saw the COVID-19 situation as an opportunity as well since everyone is actually just staying at home. Mm-hmm. And I know that content creators have been looking for, you know, um, in Filipino term, racket right. or, or stint or anything that they could do to, to have extra money. So we actually uh, touched base with some influencers or creators nice. who, would, who would be very interested to share their talent, help us create some content that would engage Filipinos, especially that True ID is actually about information and entertainment. So nice. it's an infotainment platform, mm-hmm. something that would actually make you feel positive if, if you actually go to our website trueid.ph or our even our social media mm. it's it's all about having hope or making sure that you survive this pandemic or even just having some jokes around uh mm. this current situation that, that's basically the the vibe that we wanted to 
promote to our audience or to our customers. And so, uh, when I scaled up through Digital Group, I started with those um, uh, grassroots creators to help me. The other one is, was obviously making sure that my team uh, really engage with the community. So even though we, are, we have just one social media manager or community manager, almost everyone actually has access to the social media account. Nice. Making sure that if, if they have the free time, they would actually respond or react to those people who are starting to know more about True ID. You know, the, the brand is zero here as well. Nobody knows about it. Yeah. So that's why we were also conscious in making sure that they get to check check up on True ID in Thailand. Right. We don't want to lose our connection with Thailand because True ID there is really a big thing. In yeah. fact, Netflix is inside True ID in Thailand. So no way! Um, wow. Yes, yes. So it's it's crazy. It's a different market out there, but uh. of course, it's also different here in the Philippines. So as I said, I need to change the game as we speak and make sure that uh, we only address the business, uh, the customer need or, or, or the pain point. And for now, it seems like Filipinos are looking for an alternative way to spend time, yep. um, consume content that is more positive, less the junk, less right. the negativity. So that's basically how we're positioning right now gradually until we introduce more features and content in the platform. Okay. Now you mentioned features again. Uh, what are again with with your whole story here? Um, you're you're uh, used to building a lot of amazing things, right? And did you guys build the tech here from scratch as well? Uh, no, no. We we had we not only we had to, um, uh -huh. we also want to uh, mm -hmm. leverage the platforms from Thailand. I mean. It defeats the purpose of international expansion if we're right, also right. building that from scratch. Okay. We want to make sure that whatever worked in Thailand, which we think would be very um, efficient here. here in the Philippines yeah. and applicable here, uh, we'll, we'll use them accordingly. So as I said, during my first two weeks in Thailand, I had to pick and choose, ah, this, which is very exciting. Right, this solution, right. this feature, ah, this would work for Filipinos. And then... Assemble it like a Lego block, like yeah. Le Lego, and then there's a new solution, right? Yeah, it's like going going to uh, Iron Man's uh, workshop. Like, all right, I want this, 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 this. this. Uh, I'll, I'll take it, and you create a whole new tank out of it. Right? It so, was kind of like that, actually. I was like, my 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 jaw dropped when I was there, just looking at their like robotics as a service, AI uh, technology. Wow. I mean, everything is there, like. Black Mirror-ish type of solutions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I hope you, you guys use it for the right stuff, huh? not Black Mirror stuff. Okay. I know, I know. <laughs> okay, now, Dindo, before I let you go, let's pay it forward uh, to the whole community because you mentioned a lot of things here that a lot of startup founders struggle to do, right? Now, I want to get your tips or your, your take on several uh, aspects uh, that we want to cover. So, first off... Um, User acquisition. A lot of people usually, especially the first-time founders, usually think that it's just a matter of social media, posting, whatever, and making it rain on marketing. And that's a recipe for disaster because I tried doing that as well in Party File and I fucking lost money. How do you properly do user acquisition, especially for a, a product that has a limited budget or zero to no budget and still has to have that hockey stick that everybody wants to get? Got it, got it. Um, 
the way I, I usually do it, I mean, after building several platforms as well, and obviously starting from zero users to a million or more millions of users, um, I always make sure that I only don't concentrate on acquisition. Acquisition, acquisition would always be connected to retention or churn rate, and at the same time, um, engagement. So when you acquire, don't concentrate on just making them go to your site or your, to your platform. Always have a strategy in place as well. Once they go there, what are they going to do? I mean, what would be the customer journey after that? It can be like, for example, if you have a house and you let someone enter, you can't just like look at each other, right? You would have to give him food. You would have to give him water. What would be his experience so that he stays there for a longer time? Yeah. And that's when I said, that's what I meant when I said, Think about retaining that customer or the return, retention rate or, or churn rate. Now, at the same time, how do you make sure that he loves staying there? So that's where the features or uh, for in, in my case, for True ID, the content comes in. Because once he sees the other content, he keeps on coming back and he stays there. Because usually, and this is a, 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 a very common practice of marketers. So you're right. right. Like, okay, I'm going to burn 100,000 yeah. X amount and then make sure that I just bombard all the people on Facebook to go to my website or app. Right. But afterwards, they will also leave. And the next thing you know, you're spending another 100000 You never know. It's the same set of people who would just check it back and then they would see, ah, it's still the crappy app that I have, I've right. checked. Oh, anyway, the third time, I won't even click your ad at all. Exactly. So th that's basically understanding how, how the customers would look at your website or your product or whatever you're offering. Yeah, and that's true. And in essence, this is literally how growth hacking and marketing is different because marketing is literally just focusing on the top of the funnel, which is acquisition and activation. Growth hacking covers the whole funnel from acquisition, activation, how do you uh, retain? And even so, um, the further down the funnel, how do you get people to actually refer you so that it goes viral and all the way to revenue? Exactly, exactly. It's really the, the marketing funnel. And in fact, when these users love your product, they become avids or fans, that's basically making them accidental marketers. You, you never realize you're actually being efficient as well in your marketing spend because people are already starting to market your product. That's even a bonus if you do your job right. That's awesome. Okay, my next question is you mentioned it earlier about preparing a budget. This is also... One of those things that um, non-corporate, uh, those people that don't have any corporate experience struggle with. And people think, like, ah, okay, I'll just fucking throw X amount, whatever. Uh, you know, they run it like a mom and pop and more times than uh, none, they, it, it actually fails. So what, what practice, what suggestion do you suggest for um, startup founders to start creating budgets on how, on how do they do that to make sure that they're within point on how to use their finite resources. I would have to say, and this, this might be, um, it, it depends on the person, how he sees himself. But I, I think you have to be very open to suggestions and mm. become a problem solver. This is very subjective in terms of how you define it. But when I say a problem solver, you should be able to determine where the gap is. So for example, you're operating an organization or you're, 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 you have this startup, you should know where, where the leak is, where the hole is. 
and when for example it's a sinking ship that, that's a perfect analogy right. you know where where to stop the gap or or put 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 a stop in terms of the water entering the ship right and make sure that you keep on sailing if you know how to determine that you will be okay because you would know where where to put your next hundred thousand dollars or next ten thousand dollars whichever you got from your investor or your vc mm-hmm. and if, if you if you Make sure that you always address any problem that you encounter, whether it's a customer complaint or your marketing guy is not performing well. You will be all right instead of like just, okay, it's marketing. I need to acquire. I mean, you, you need to spend wisely because that's right. finite. It's a right. finite source. And especially in a startup, it's, it's super more, more, more and more finite <laughs> because you don't have a long run, long runway, and your room for mistakes are very small. So you need to get it. And one thing I guess I'd add on what you said, and I always see this too, is that you don't drink your own Kool Aid because if if you drink your own Kool Aid and you think, yeah, yeah, everything's gonna be okay, and you hope that hope and pray that everything will be alright by continuing the path without pivoting or at least being real with your team and your your board or whoever, your co-founders, then you're going to be doomed to fail. I made that mistake too. So, <laughs> You know what? What, what, yeah. you know what, uh, what I realized? It's actually sometimes good to be pessimistic when you're a startup because in that way, <laughs> you actually always think what could go wrong? What right. could go wrong? Instead of Paranoia. being... Exactly. Instead of being like uh, a naive optimistic that right. you, you think like, when you build something, people will just go there or with that money, everything will be ROI right away. Uh-huh. So those things, you have to strike a balance. That's why in my team, right. it's actually a mix of optimistic people who would like think wildly, everything mm-hmm. will happen right away or good. And then I also have people who would, would say, are you nuts? You're crazy. Yeah. There are these, these things, blah, blah, blah. It's a good mix. It can't be all optimism right. all the way. Exactly. And and that optimism will be your push, but that realism will be the one that levels you out. That all right, wait, wait, that's that's too crazy. No, don't go there. So check and balance. You said it's it's a perfect mix. All right, last two questions. Um, it's it's not uh, common that we've had country managers, country leads in a startup, right? I mean, this there's only a few of you guys in in the country. What makes a good country manager a good country? Because technically, you're still. Uh, doing a lot of what a founder does, right? Especially from a zero to one thing. But if someone wants to be to follow this path that you've taken, Dindo, what would be your suggestion uh, for them if they're starting out in their career? Uh, you, you know what? One of the reasons why I got so excited uh, in terms of accepting this job is actually looking at or building a company, a good culture a good mm-hmm. culture in, in, in this particular organization that, that I'm, uh, I was supposed to build from zero to one. Mm-hmm. I think a country manager uh, would be a great one if he or she would actually be um, uh, an avid fan of company culture, building the culture. A, a country yes. manager should actually be the chief cultural officer. If, I know Yeah, chief cultural officer. And yep. He, he wants, for me, I want to make sure that whatever beliefs I have in terms of how, how work should be done or how, how camaraderie, friendship should, should be always um, present in, 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 a, in a startup. Even, you know, even though we become like a hundred staff company, yeah. but we still feel like we're a startup. 
Like we're still hustling. Like like we're still aiming for that next $100,000 investment. If we keep on having that culture, it would always be like exciting. It would always be, there's always been adrenaline rush. Because my fear is when you get to scale up so big, yeah. You become you, you you reach your comfort zone. You would think, oh, there's a steady operational day to day. There's a steady yeah. income, and then mm-hmm. you lose that touch. You lose that spark. Right. I want to make sure that even my one downs, my managers, mm-hmm. would pass that on to their respective people, to their respective yeah. staff, and and so the culture becomes like a very good one for the entire organization. Right. That I think is very important. That's why I'm very picky when I interview people. I look at attitude if, if he or she is a fit in the organization. Right. If I see signs that's like, ah, this person won't, won't jive with my other staff, I would rather not risk it because, of course, that would be a problem being the referee of those two people. So exactly. Those, those things are highly considered, actually. Yeah, and again, that core, that culture, if you do it right, it would resonate it through because you said your one-downs will have their own one-downs as well and it will just grow uh, exponentially, along with the product that you built, it's, that's which is the culture as it at its core. And then, and then I and then I guess of course the entrepreneurial mindset, right? That's very yes. important. Um, I guess I'm I'm also lucky to have uh, uh, some uh, an upper management or, or stakeholders from True Digital Group who actually understand how a startup how a startup rolls, how it's done. Like, don't expect revenues or b- huge amount of money right. flowing in in year one or year two. Mm. Usually it's year three, right? Or you, right. you get you become mm. positive EBITDA in year three. So they understand that. That's why they're all about um, audience now or customers, engagement. And that is what matters if you, you're on the same page. Because my others, I know these big companies who would like to invest in their own startups, but they run it as if it's a corporation and would look for profits in in year one, right. and that's just crazy, right? So it, it's important that you you both are entrepreneurial and you know how a startup works on the same page. Correct. And then and lastly, mm-hmm. lastly, I guess number three as a country manager. So aside from the culture, the entrepreneurial mindset, I guess humility. Humility is very important. Even though you're like, I mean, in my case, I'm the country and technically I'm the CEO of of true digital Philippines, but I don't see myself as the CEO here. I see myself as still someone learning a lot of things from my counterparts and um, stakeholders in HQ. And at the same time with my people, with my employees here. I mean, these are like awesome people who who were very, who were experts in their own fields. And I'm learning a lot from them as well. All right. Thank you, Dindo. Now, again, before I let you go, please invite over everybody to uh, True Digital and what should they look out for in the next couple of weeks and months uh, that you guys have in store. So, thank you again, Ron. Sorry about this. Um, uh, it's a truly great experience. I, I didn't know it's going to be this exciting. Thanks, man. But <laughs> no um, for, for, the, for, the, for your fans, <laughs> for your fans um, <laughs> and, and, your, and your, your followers here in Hustle Share. If you want to know more about True Digital, just go to truedigital.com slash Philippines. If you want to be specific about our country, you can check check us out there. But right now, we also have our website. It's trueid.ph. Tons of snackable content uh, are there for you to enjoy, especially if you're bored in this pandemic situation. Um, 
And if you are a creator, feel free to actually pitch to us your content ideas and we'll be we'll be very excited to know more about your craft, your your work, and whatever you could contribute to actually entertain and inform the Filipinos here in our country. All right. Thank you very much again. Again, the crowd is back. <laughs> All right. Now, before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever. If we do say, did say a lot of show notes, which I think we did, uh, go to hustleshare.com and all the links are going to be there. And also, if we do want to get involved in how we grow the show, it's going to be on the Hustle Share community on Facebook. So just search for that and join it. And lastly, if you want to get involved in who you want to have as guests, uh, send us a message on m.me slash Hustle Share powered by Chatbot PH. Again, Dindo, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Ronster. It's a pleasure. Appreciate it. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again And we're excited to share a bit more info About our sponsors, Sprout Solutions And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode You should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter As you grow your own startup Because this bundle that they have Is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level As you grow your employees And this bundle is your key to freedom Including payroll outsourcing to experts A subscription to timekeeping and attendance software And government compliance services Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, 
Download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. <laughs> 